the mentality shifted when the accident happened because that's what gave me like my purpose and my understanding of the fragility of life and how you gotta like actually just make things happen if you want to. These days, musical artists have tough decisions to make when thinking about their own growth, like whether to sign a deal or stay independent. With the growth of online resources, both options can lead to success, but having the choice is critical. Just ask our guest this week, Cam Meekins, a hip-hop artist who made the decision to go independent and never looked back. Cam has had a roller coaster of a life, and his experiences have been a big driver in his success. Cam sat down with us to talk about his journey through music, the choices he made, and how he grew to be the independent success he is today on this episode of The Big Break. So you're from Boston originally, and that's where you obviously, I mean, you're, you're sort of known as being a Boston guy and whatnot, but let, let's take a, the Wayback Machine a bit of it and talk a little about your initial interest in music, just as a, like as a kid, like what, when is, you know, how did you first, what was like your earliest musical memory or the, the time that where you heard something that really was like, wow, this is, this is something more than just background noise. Totally. Um, you know, for me, music has just always been a part of my life in different ways. When I was like super little, my older brother, uh, they always tell the story that I used to like put on these headphones and like play this fish CD. And like, I was, before I knew how to talk, I knew how to go to like track number seven and play it. Cause that was my favorite song. And so I like, I think I always just had an ear for music and was just interested in music. And then when I was, you know, in my my early years, I started to mess around on different instruments because my brother, I, you know, I'm one of five. So, you know, I have four siblings and a couple of them did music. And so there was different music in, in instruments at the house and I would pick them up and try and teach myself how to play drums and guitar. I just kind of got obsessed with it from a young age. I think I always kind of felt like that was what I was going to do. Um, but I never really knew exactly how until later in my life yeah exactly it's always the kids that have all the older siblings that get into the coolest music first it seems like for sure my brother was playing me like will smith and like beastie boys and i was growing up like loving all types of different music and and uh you know he was kind of on his like hippie shit i don't know if we can swear on this or not you you can swear all you like all right cool um you know he was just kind of on that vibe and i think that that shaped my musical interests a lot kind of like jam bands and hip hop and you know jazz and, and stuff like that. So what inspired you to make that that leap from you know appreciating music which we all do to actually wanting to create some of it yourself? I don't even know if I could answer that cuz I think from when I was like 10 years old I was like writing raps. So it was always um, they were they were always linked. Yeah, I just like performing. I think it was cuz I was the youngest, you know, I was like a little kid. And when you're the youngest around like a lot of older siblings, you're trying to impress and you're trying to like perform and just like be active and like get the attention of the family. You know what I'm saying? And so I was always trying to like perform for like my like sister's friends when they came over or like, you know, whatever, just trying to like be on a stage. My medium was music. And like I used to just like make little rap songs. and, And then by the time I was in middle school, I mean, you know, a lot of it's just kind of luck too in a lot of ways because it's like i got a computer when i was in in middle school that had garage band and i'm sure that's a lot of people's stories nowadays in this day and age that like you know their first taste of like real production and music was just like apple garage band i think steve jobs is like undercredited for how 
relevant he is to music and like the just the culture of music because I think that I wouldn't be an artist if it weren't for the fact that I just started kind of fucking around on GarageBand. Yeah, exactly. The, the ease of entry uh, at that that stage of uh, of, it, of the world was, was mm-hmm. a lot lower, obviously. But I think it's interesting is that you've always had the two. There, there was never one or the other. It wasn't like I'm just going to listen or I'm, or maybe I think I could perform it. You, you you definitely took on both at the same time. That's that's an interesting uh, component that I've not heard uh, before, which I think is really, you know really telling. It's like it. it there's a lot of kids out there that that's that do some of that as well. I mean, everyone likes to put up their own little fun thing for their friends, you know, uh, right. on YouTube and things like that. Um, when you know, is there a point where you thought that was more than that though? Like, uh, you know, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm going to put my little funny rap up on YouTube so my you know me and my kids in my class can look at it and whatnot. But you know, when does that become something more? Or when did you realize that there was an opportunity more beyond just your circle, but like others that you didn't know were looking at it and appreciating it, even if they had never met? you know, cam before. I think I always just had this, I mean, it gets a little bit into more of like my, my, my story, but mm-hmm. like, well, so we're here I for. always had, no, for sure. I've always had this kind of like entrepreneurial drive behind it. And I think that at the end of the day comes back to like understanding like my purpose. And the reason that I understand my purpose is because of like what I went through in my teenage years and I had kind of this like life threatening jet ski accident thing that happened that I've talked about a lot. And like, I can tell that story for yeah, sure. But like, but it, you know, what I think was interesting is if I hear, if I, and tell me if I'm wrong on this one, cause like I, I have done a little bit of background and whatnot on you. And, and for, if I, if I understood correctly, you at first you were looking at maybe getting into audio engineering and then after, and please do tell the story about the accident, but then afterwards you looked at more of a yep. performer. Can you, can you kind of maybe just start just before the accident? If that's in fact yeah, what yeah. happened? Exactly. Exactly. So like, I just loved, I loved music and like, you know, yeah, when I was like younger, I was kind of like, like, and I'm, and you know, I, I started getting success with music when I was 16, 17 years old. So like, this was all very early on in my life. So it's funny now as a 26 year old going back, kind of thinking about this, I was a little kid doing a lot of this stuff. And like, even when I had success and like started to really do this, I was super young, but, um, you know, I was kind of like middle school age, like making songs for me and like kind of just to like show it off to my friends like you said and just like i like really enjoyed producing and engineering and like making beats on garage band at the time and i would make songs too but it was kind of just like a secret you know mm-hmm. what i mean and then when i got into high school around like you know 14 there was <clears throat> there actually happened to be like a audio engineering class in my high school which was like Another thing is just like, that's luck. Like if I didn't have that class, I probably wouldn't be where I am mm. today. And like those teachers that saw that potential in me when I was not a good student in other traditional areas, you know, pushed me to be good on the music side. Like those are things that I couldn't kind of like count on. It just happened in that way. So like a lot of that I think is a part of my story too. That's kind of the, the, the randomness of all of this for sure. But yeah, so like I was just kind of really plugged into that community of like the kids who were like really into making music. And I was on the, on the production side and on the engineering side, I was loving to like make beats for these kids and they were rapping and I kind of knew that I could rap too, but the mentality shifted when the accident happened because that's what gave me like my purpose and my, 
understanding of the fragility of life and how you got to like actually just make things happen if you want to and not, you know, I think when you're young, you're kind of like, one, you don't really understand that, that life is very fragile like that. You know, you usually don't learn stuff like that until later in your life when you deal with death or you deal with things like that. Um, but I got that lesson at a very young age, uh, you know, kind of having that life-threatening experience. And it just shifted my mentality to, I was like, damn, like, what do I want out of my life? Like what, you know, what makes me happy? And like, I don't care about what other people think anymore because it's like, well, I'm not going to care about what people think when I'm in right. the ground. But what, you know briefly, what why don't you just explain what, what happened? You mentioned jet ski. Yeah. So I was, I was, um, I was, uh, somewhere in the Caribbean, uh, and like with some people on, on a jet ski and I was like 15 years old. And, uh, basically we had been out there for like 30 minutes. Um, and then we were going back, uh, to like turn in the jet skis. We like had them rented or whatever. And I'm just kind of like posted up in the water, like pretty far out in the ocean. And, uh, one of the kids that I was with, like basically lost control of, of, of his jet ski and, uh, kind of like ran into, to mine and like hit me at like full speed. Um, and so I ended up getting knocked into the water. I mean, that's like getting um, hit by a car. Ended up having a, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was serious for sure. And like, you know, we were in St. Martin, which is like, you know, just like an island, you know, <laughs> not that much infrastructure for like, you know, yeah. emergency. You're not heading over to Cedar Sinai. Yeah. So, um, it was just a crazy, crazy experience. And so I ruptured my spleen. Uh, broke ribs. I had the guy, my chin was all fucked up. And like, you know, I was, I was basically bleeding out and, uh, I had to have emergency surgery because I was bleeding out. And like, you know, a lot of it for me was just the traumatic aspect of being so young and like dealing with that and like not having my family there because I was like with oh. a different family. So yeah, you're pretty shaken up. Yeah. I was just like, I, I didn't know, you know, cause there was also a little bit of like a language barrier there. Cause they speak like French down there too. Um, and so, you know, they were kind of like, oh, like, you know, I kind of interpreted it like I'm going to bleed to death. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, uh, it, that's kind of how it be, felt. Okay. And then plus um, you're a minor and like the whole approvals for surgeries and all those types of things. Yeah. So it just, it just was and like, you know, this is like a kind of nuts experience. Like the, I mean, the whole thing, like, I, that's why, like, I just, you know, I believe in, in God and I believe in like, you know, the power of the universe and just like, just all this different stuff, because like so much of what's happened in my life has been like, you know, kind of like, just like weird to me. And like, you know, for example, one of the best surgeons in the world for these type of surgeries happens to be a guy who's from St. Martin originally, and then moved to the United States and became this like world renowned surgeon was back in St. Martin for the <laughs> week doing like, basically like, like free work at this hospital, like just to be a good guy and ended up being there when my accident happened and doing the surgery on me and like like seriously this dude's like one of the best surgeons in the world and he was just he was just there like just off the strength of like you know doing something for the community and it just so happened that i had my accident at the same time that he was there if he wasn't there i might not have been able to get the surgery that i needed and you know we're talking i was at the hospital for 10 minutes before they brought me into the emergency oh, surgery so there's like no it was like you're you're right in oh my time goodness. was yeah, of okay. the essence yeah so yeah that's that's obviously really eye opening then so you went you're a 15 year old kid you gained a certain perspective that 
most don't, basically. And so, right. At what point after all? I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of you know healing and all these other things. But when did that? When did this realization that you're that you're crediting this to occur in terms of saying like you know what? I mean, first there's the soul searching, and then there's the answer, right? Like, how did I, I don't know right. how much you want to get into that, but I'd love to understand. You know, okay. No, I'll get okay. into it. I love getting into it because I think it's an important lesson right. for people to hear. Because, and like you know, I think that no matter how old you are or whatever you're going through, like you can kind of feel this. Like I was only 15 years old, but when you're faced with something like that, you start to kind of like think differently. And like, you know, I had a couple months of recovering after that. I couldn't even like fly back for a few weeks because of like the surgery, like you can't fly, whatever. So I was like down there for like three weeks, just like kind of like recovering. Then I came back home to Boston, you know, a couple months went by and like, I was pretty like in my head worried about the fact that I had lost my spleen because I had to get my spleen removed. And like, you know, the spleen kind of has yeah, a certain it, like, it functions <laughs> with uh, yeah. your immune system. So I was like, oh, you know, am I going to have like a compromised immune system, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, WebMDing all this shit, like freaking out. And, you know, so it was kind of just taking a toll on me mentally. And then I just kind of, I had this, this point and I like remember it very specifically. I was like sitting in my room and I was just like, all right, I can either for the, you know, I'm 15 years old. I can either be for the rest of my life, be the guy who, you know, had this thing happen and now I'm going to be worried about it for the rest of my life. And like, you know, that's, what's going to define me. I'm just going to be like miserable, like worried about it, like anxious, whatever. Or I can take this gift that I was given of like another shot. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of how I looked at it. Like another shot to like, just do this and like live my life and like almost like just be thankful that I'm here and like, it almost felt like I owed it to God or whoever, like that I got to do something positive with this. And I was at this like fork in the road and I was like, you know, that's the route that I'm going to take. I'm going to be thankful and understand that anything could happen every single day. So I'm going to leave it all out on the field every single day. When I was 15, that was like, all right, well, fuck school. I'm just going to go like heavy into music. Like that was like me leaving it all out there because I was like, I don't care. Like, you know, so it was a little bit of an arrogance at the time, but that also just shaped who I am as a person and the way that I approach everything in my life. It's like, I don't, I don't believe in like it not being possible in a lot of ways. Like you can do a lot of things. You just got to like put your energy towards it and like, just try. That's really interesting. Cause, cause the, the timing of that's really incredible uh, that I'm thinking of is that you, you, you gain a more, what I would call a more mature perspective at a very young age in terms of, you know, thinking about what you want to do with your life. And it happens at a time when you literally have nothing to lose in terms of going out and try, actually trying it, you know? Right. Uh, it's right. like it's not like the you know the forty five year old with three kids saying you know what screw it <laughs> I'm going to try this other thing now like you for you've sure, that for sure. So that's, that's really really great and you seem to really capitalize on it and if I understood you right and I just want to push quickly back you were audio engineering for others and doing your own sort of recording I think you I think you used the words in secret sort of this was when the secret was out like you're done you this is yeah I, I had a point like after that where I was working on a song with another a friend of mine. And he was like, you know, oh, well, like, why don't you put something down? And I was like, yeah, I mean, like, for sure. Like, I'm going to write something crazy. And then, you know, and I just had this new energy. And so I uh, got in the studio and like laid down this this verse. And it was just like a super corny verse. But at the time, I was just like, oh, that shit was gas. Like, this is crazy. And it just like, you know, made me addicted to the, you know, 
the studio in terms of like writing and recording and like the you know, process. making this this art yeah. yeah and like and i think that for me like a lot of it a lot of my attraction to music and art and everything probably does like stem from this kind of existential perspective that i have of like you know i want to i want to create things that last longer than me like that's why i love like creating like music you know in in business like whatever like i just want to make things that that survive me you know what i'm saying because i want to like yeah Yeah. so what was the tipping point then you're you're recording some music you're putting some things out there maybe you know i'm not i I don't this is always the part that fascinates me is that when people go from this i've got a little attention to suddenly i have a lot of attention you know you watch like the bio flicks of all these bands and it's suddenly you know it's the next scene and there's like a jillion people in the crowd you're like wait a minute wait what happened like so that's what i want to get into here like what was the tipping point do you think where it went from I mean, what, you know, was it was it a slow burn or was there like an uh, I don't want to say overnight, but was it a little faster than that? Like, what? How did that go from hobby yeah. to like a real a real thing? See, that's the thing. It's like it was never a hobby for right. me. You know what I'm saying? Like mentally, in my head, I was successful before I was successful. You know what I'm saying? Like I just looked at it like this is like like once I came back from the jet ski thing and like went all in. And I'm 16 years old and I was just like, like, I, I, like, like truly, like I, I gave up on schoolwork. Like I like failed some classes. Like I went all in and like, it was, it, you know, and I don't recommend that <laughs> like for, for people listening to this, but I'm just saying like, for me, like the confidence level that I had was like just nuts and like not realistic at all. But I think that like, calculated delusion is like super important with all this stuff and like looking back as a a little bit older and wiser person now like i realized that the benefit of my mentality was was incredibly you know uh you know there was a huge benefit there the the mental kind of aspect that 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 i had where yeah it was just like i was delusional i was just (laughs) like i can do this like you know and and like you know i guess it wasn't delusion because it ended up kind of like you know uh and that's what i want to get at how did it work out I mean, there's, there's the want and then there's, and there's the other side of it. There's the audience. So when did that audience? Yeah. So I think, yeah, exactly. And so like, it was that meant like, first you have to be there mentally, like, and not look at it as a hobby, not think that like you can have a backup plan. Like I didn't have a backup plan. Like all my friends were getting ready to go to college and I couldn't get into college because I fully committed to the music thing. And so my grades weren't there and I never really was a good student to begin with because I don't know, I just always like felt like I understood the stuff and I didn't need to put the work in. And like, you know, again, I think that that's just that young arrogance that I have, but like, um, you know, my mentality was I'm going all in. And so I literally just like hustled it. And so it just was, you know, at first it was like a little slow grind of like little wins. Like, you know, I put a song out on YouTube and it got 600 views overnight. And I was like, wow, like, you know, everyone in my high school, like, listened to the song, and it was, like, the talk of the high school, and then it started to be, like, he put out another song on YouTube and Facebook, which were the only two things back then, like, there was no Instagram, whatever, like, then it was, like, okay, like, there's some surrounding towns around my town that, like, are starting to find out, like, that I make music, and so it was, like, literally a bootstrapped, like, geographical, like, you know, people in my area finding out that I made music, I printed 400 CDs, sold them at my school, sold them around the town, sold them around other towns with my two friends, just like, like, like kind of just like hustled it. And that's, that was like my first taste of like, okay, like people, 
you know, and like, I think people thought like, oh, like it's a joke or whatever. And they were like, no, like, all right, like he's actually rapping, like he can actually make music, but like, you know, kind of like, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. And so then it just became like an obsession of like, I'm going to do anything I can to just like get traction. And obviously, you know, 2010, this is like blogs, good music all day, bro Bible. Like that was like the shit back then. And like Sammy Adams had just started like popping off on YouTube and and like bro Bible was supporting him super tough. And like he put out like this album, Boston's boy, which like went to number one. Everyone was like, who the fuck is this dude? And so I'm like, all right, like this is a dude like from my city, like another white rapper, like popping off. Like I gotta, I gotta figure out how to like get plugged in with him. And so then I'm like, you know, all right, like, let me, let me see, like, okay, he's working with this dude, Maddie, and Maddie's producing his whole stuff. Like, I got to work with Maddie too. If this is like the top guy, like in my like kind of genre, um, and like he's working with this guy, like I got to work with this that's guy brilliant. too. I love that. See that that's the kind of stuff I love getting into. Like, I, I, I don't want to get too much into the the business side of what we do and whatnot, but I'm a big believer in. So I deal with I deal with communications. I deal with words. I deal with writing. I deal with talking to people. And I always say that the key to be a good writer is to listen listen and see what other people are right. doing right that's what you did you were you were basically you, you weren't just writing music you weren't just saying hey here listen to me listen to me you were listening and watching what others were doing and and and, and figuring out that path by virtue of paying attention as a growing artist or songwriter keeping royalties coming in is important for keeping the bills paid it's also important to keep an eye on those royalty payments. A lot of people we worked with here at Royalty Exchange were having a tough time making sense of the royalties that are getting paid. So we built a free tool called Know Your Worth that automatically analyzes every royalty payment made on your music. It breaks it all down in an easy to understand analysis with some insights that would be impossible to find elsewhere. Plus, it connects you with the thousands of investors on Royalty Exchange and allows them to make you offers on your music. So far, musicians have raised over a million dollars for new projects, new ventures, and a whole lot of other things just through the Know Your Worth app. If you're earning royalties, you should be keeping track of them, and Know Your Worth makes it easy. It only takes about three minutes to connect an account, and the tool will automatically update over time. Just visit worth.royaltyexchange.com or find the link in the show notes to get started. Now, let's get back to the interview. You know, we call the podcast uh, the big break, right? And so we always kind of look for, you know, was there that one, that one little gambit, that one little ploy that you tried that uh, that had the big payoff? Yeah. So, it, you know, I started to just kind of like get connected with these people in my city that were actually like doing stuff, right? And then that kind of elevated the music. Like I started working with Maddie, and the music started getting better because he really knew his stuff on the production. And I was like, all right, I, this needs to all like be wrapped around like one big thing like and so i wanted to make a mixtape and so i started basically working on this music to put out this mixtape called 1993 which is like when i was born and i just you know put my heart into that music and just really like hustled the music and 
put it out on Datpiff and used Facebook and used YouTube to like promote and market everything and tried to like get in with the people who wrote at Good Music All Day, which was a big blog at the time, and they supported it super tough. I think Bro Bible actually like sponsored the mixtape too. So I was just like working different angles, reaching out to people, you know, cold emailing, doing everything I could to just like hustle it. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and, and like, it, it, obviously that's not a strategy necessarily that like works now, like blogs are kind of irrelevant now, but like, it's just like whatever's going on at the time, like figure out everything you can do to just give yourself a little bit of like a step. Yeah. I think what applies now is what you did with a couple of different things. On one hand, you're making lots of different types of music and, and, you know, experimenting with your sound and who you were and what you wanted to say and how you wanted it to sound and things like that. And then on the other side, you were looking, okay, how does this stuff appear in the market? You know, who are the folks that I want to emulate and what do they do and how do I, you know, um, right. match that. And then at some point bring the two together. Okay. You, you now have a good idea how to, you know, navigate the, you know, the level of the business where you're at and how to kind of move a, a song through, you know, channels and you understand the, what needs to happen in the studio. And when you bring those two together in the one focal point, I think is how you put it, and then push it out there strongly. That was that was the strategic um, approach that you took. That regardless of what the different paths were and how they may change over time, that concept of understanding both sides of it—the creation and the distribution—that that that I think still applies today. A hundred percent, hundred percent, and uh, yeah. So so I I kind of used all those different ideas and concepts and just kind of like took a took a gamble on it essentially yeah and and i put the mixtape out and i remember being you know at the library um releasing the mixtape on my computer and all of a sudden it got like six thousand downloads in like the first like minute and i was like what like what the fuck like how, how is it even doing that and it was because like you know all these different kind of places that I was like reaching out to to help promote it like they were pushing in they had like real reach and you know I was a 17 year old kid at the time and the mixtape like ended up like crashing that piff um <laughs> and like just became this like big like thing like who is this kind of like geeky looking like white rapper kid who's you know like crashing that piff and like what is this music and then like I had this video for the song called rain which was just me in New York City like looking funny like just rapping like spitting like hard bars and like, you know, I think that it just was like a moment in time and, and overall there was like a moment going on in music at the time in the Northeast with like, uh, a lot of like online, you know, publications and like, just like, you know, music videos. And this was when like Mac Miller was taken off and like, you know, a, a, like a lot of different artists started to like pop off in this kind of subgenre of music and like, you know it just became you know this this kind of moment in time where a lot of like dope artists kind of got got their shot because they they were uh you know supported by these blogs and like you know youtube was a big thing but not everybody was on youtube yet it was like you know it was to to independently be producing your own music videos on youtube was a relatively new idea and like it became like this whole cool moment and i think a lot of artists like skizzy mars and like you know all these other dudes like really came up during that time and it was just a, a cool moment in time that's great uh, for for music yeah you yeah got, you got good timing you got you know you got you got you know talent you've got hustle and a little bit of luck you put those things together and usually something happens so is this when atlantic comes calling or am i am i too soon in the story no that is yeah that's essentially the next the next thing i mean you know there was some time between that but uh, the 1993 mixtape was 
was what uh, I think kind of got the real music industry aware of what was going on because the numbers you you couldn't you couldn't not look at the numbers you know what I'm yeah. saying and like you're just like who is this like young kid doing these numbers or whatever and so yeah I got an email from Atlantic Records or some some person at Atlantic Records when I was still in high school. Um, and what I love about you know, this I was, part, is, I, I thought it was a joke. Yeah. I mean, I love this part of the story, but I, I might skip ahead a little bit. So please roll me back if I need to. But this idea that you wanted to, you wanted to go through the process as like your form of education. You know, you say you were a bad student, but you kind of just, you, you, in fact, you right. were a good student, but it's in a different school. Totally. I, I always like, cause you know, I ended up kind of getting the opportunity to, to do a deal with them. And I was like, you know, I might not know everything about this whole situation, but I guarantee you that if I spend four years working with a company like this, you know, at the very least, that's going to be my, my college education. While all my peers are going to college, that's my college education. That's how I looked at it. I kind of thought that like one way or another, there was a positive there. Right. Knowledge is easy to carry, as they say. Like you're gonna, you're gonna get some. Honor. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, positive or negative, what you learned? What were, the, what were the big takeaways? What were the big lessons? You think? I mean, I learned everything about the music industry. Honestly, like you know, I learned how it operated. I learned, you know, what A and Rs were. I learned, you know, how to market music, how not to market music. I learned a lot about what not to do in that situation too, um, because, and again, timing, right? Like this was 2011 music was changing spotify wasn't a thing yet itunes was cd sales were not any you know like the the industry wasn't making money anymore and so they had to figure out new ways to generate revenue from artists they're doing these 360 deals now they're trying to like kind of get a piece of everything but they didn't really have it figured out like they do the dust the dust had yet to settle yeah it was kind of a shit show. I mean, <laughs> I remember. I, I, I totally remember this. I yeah, mean, I, yeah. I totally so, get it. So it was just kind of a crazy time, and you know, I'm coming in, 18 years old, coming in hot, thinking I'm going to be the next like fucking Justin Bieber, <laughs> and you know, I just, I again, I had like a little bit of like arrogance and just like overconfidence, um, and you know, I took that to the situation with the with the label, and you know kind of realized that my setup wasn't what I thought it was. And like, you know, they didn't know exactly what their business plan was yet. And I was kind of like trying to, you know, do all these different things, but like, you know, I didn't have the, the infrastructure set up from the label or from my team or anything like that to really do anything great yet. Because as you know, anything takes, you know, a whole team of effort to, to, to really, you know, do something at a high level. And so, you know, that was kind of like my first realization is like, oh, wow, like I need to get serious. Like, you know, it's one thing to put a mixtape out, you know, at my library and like have it pop off because like, you know, a couple websites posted it, but it's another thing to, you know, when you're on a major label, you're competing against, uh, all the artists that are on that roster now. And so you're in the big leagues and it's like, you gotta, you gotta step up. So, you know, I kind of had to take that mental shift and like, you know, that was my, my, my learning experience and everything. And, and so then I ended up kind of 
doing that whole process and it was a one album deal and I did that album and then I was kind of like, you know, there was an option to like do another project and I was just like, you know, what I learned from this and this was 2012 now, 2013, like, you know, these guys don't have it figured out yet. Like there's like, like I'm just going to be shelved and like, you know, writing songs and writing songs for other people and like getting, you know, taken advantage of essentially. Um, and if I really want to be successful, like I have to put it back in my hands. So I was like, I have to like, I have to go independently to create the career that, that I That's want. interesting. And that was like my, that was my route. Like I always wanted to be the dude who signed me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I looked at the dude, I looked at the dude who signed me, like this guy's got to figure it out. Like, let me, like, I need to pick up game from like these people. Cause I want to be like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be the dude, the, the investor, the shark, like, you know, like that's, that's fun. That's to interesting. So it sounds like there's a couple lessons there. I'm going to sort of summarize here. Tell me if I'm off or if I'm on here or not. So that one was about the, the aspect of, of competition, right? Any artist putting music out into the world is competing with just a, a veritable shit ton of other, of other um, artists putting music into the world. So there's that level of competition. And then coming into the label, you realize you're also competing for the resources of the label amongst even a smaller group, but that, that competition is, is almost um, even more impactful, even harder because it's more of a, it, it, it provides the result you need when you're trying to put the music out more broadly. Like you need to, you need to get those resources that you want. Right. And on top of that, you realize not everyone knows what's going on. Like the importance of a team, of a coordinated team that is all marching towards the same goal and whatnot and, and having all those, all those um, uh, ducks in a row, as it were, those, those seem to be right. the, sort of the bigger things there that, uh, that you kind of realize from, as you mentioned, releasing one thing off on the library versus a real coordinated effort. It's complicated. It's super complicated. And it's just about, you know, like anything, you know, signing to a record label has nothing to do with signing to a record label. It's about who are you working with? It's your team. You know what I'm saying? Like who is the people? Yeah. Who, who, who is your team? Who's the people at the label? Who, you know, is your management team? Like, you know, who's, who's, who are the pe the people around you? And I, you know, I realized the value in that. And I just, I just, for me, you know, there wasn't enough upside for me to go that route for what they were offering me. You know, I don't think that like the major lab label system believed in me to the level that I believed in me. And so like, you know, I, I had to prove that I had to prove the business plan. I had to prove my artistry and everything like that. And I knew that if I stuck with the major label system at a time where they were still kind of losing money, and like not quite figuring out how to market new artists yet and you know all this stuff that that it would have just been like a long process that i that i was like i wasn't patient yeah. you know what i'm saying for that and i think that probably goes back to like my perspective on like just wanting to do everything i can yeah. right now today. and you're willing to take more risks on yourself than they're willing to take risks on you right yeah exactly so now did, did you go right to exactly so th this is where so you leave and did you form uh your own label right away or or was there a process there so i left and then i took like six months and basically just like continued to just try and learn more and then i just tried to learn a lot more about like business well, where, where were you learning like, that 
entrepreneurship. I ended up, uh, oh, I went back to Boston and then I ended up kind of just like connecting with different like people that were in the entrepreneurial world and like even like the tech world and like the food world and starting to like, you know, I was like kind of like almost on my like Gary V shit before <laughs> Gary V was a thing trying to like, you know, yo, let me run your social media or like, let me, you know, let me help you with like your, your brand and like stuff like that. And I was just like, kind of like getting to know business a little bit for like six months after the whole Atlantic situation, because I was like, again, like I'm young, like I was like 21 years old, whatever. I need to like learn, learn the business so I can be the best CEO that I can be. And so I was kind of doing whatever, connecting different dots, meeting different people around Boston and like the entrepreneurial world uh, to kind of get my chops there. And so I did that for like six months. And while I was doing that, I was working on my next album, 1993 volume two. And so, uh, yeah, that was kind of like the, the next chapter. And, you know, like you said, talking about like risk, like all of this stuff took years to pay off. And I only started to really see like the success from, you know, from a, from a, you know, from different like standpoints, like, very recently, only in the last like couple of years, it was a hustle this whole time. You know what I'm saying? One of the things that I find interesting about this conversation is that like, a lot of artists, uh, particularly uh, performing artists, right? There's this view of there's a creative side and there's a business side, and they need to be somehow separate, right? I'm going to work on the creative. I'm going to get a team to work on the business. You right. seem to blend those almost organically from the start. Like like your your creative output is is actually benefits mid by all the work you do and on the on the on the business side of it yeah 100 percent. for me it's one thing and it always will be one thing um and i don't think that's everybody's story i know a lot of people who are just true artists who are just so good at the art that that's and and it's like if they focus on something else it almost throws them off for me that was never why i got into music that you know i i always from the first day I started mu music, I started thinking about how can I get people to hear this? You know, I started thinking about the, the business side of it. Because it's like there's a creative component to the business side that actually fed the creative component of the, of the recording side. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's just like, you know, and I think that there's a lot of that in, in hip hop, particularly, that's you know true. what I'm saying? That's true. Uh, and I think that's, what's cool about hip hop as a genre is, is that there is that entrepreneurial sense more so than any other genre maybe country has a little bit of elements of that too, but like, you know, there's a, you know, hip hop historically was, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a white kid doing hip hop, like, you know, paying respect to the fact that like, you know, this is a, a, a genre that was, that was created, you know, in a, in a, you know, from, from people who were, you know, in these, these environments where like, you know, they weren't, they weren't getting those opportunities to like, you know, get their music heard. And so they had to, make that opportunity themselves and like people who pioneered hip-hop were forced to you know kind of be entrepreneurial because people weren't uh you know supporting the genre when it when it first came out and so you know it's always had that entrepreneurial spirit and i think that's what really um like attracted me to 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 hip-hop music you know what i'm saying yeah and and what's the idea is that the, you want to create this music and there's, you know, doing so takes, you know, for lack of a, you know, the crass term, you know, money. Like you've got to sustain yourself as just a person, eat, live, etc. You've got to pay for the recording. You got to pay the people that are, you know, uh, working with you on the album and all these things. And so to kind of figure out the different ways of doing that, 
is it's a hassle. And sometimes, yeah, it can distract from, from the creative process, but other times it could actually enhance the creative process. And I, I'm always interested right. in those kind of stories. We kind of, I like to use the term uh, creative executive officer for CEO. Right. Right. You know? So now you've, you've done, so talk, just talk, maybe we could talk a little bit about that, that business side of things. Like, you know, you've, you've had, when you went to go and start your label and whatnot, how, how did that come about? Did, you know, where you did, did your album at Atlantic do well enough that you had some funding to go and start the label or was it all, you know, just kind of back to the square one hustle again? I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, you know, I, I, at the time, you know, by that point I had a little bit of a catalog, um, independently even because i had music before i did the atlantic deal then i had the atlantic catalog and you know obviously it was i wasn't getting a lot from that because they you know, own those got to recoup yeah and you know so it took some time to start to see money from from that stuff but yeah it was just uh reinvesting everything that was coming through you know what i'm saying and 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 being entrepreneurial and trying to get out on the road and like, you know, you know, sell merchandise, sell tickets, do shows, uh, you know, sell physical CDs on the web store, like, you know, create a merch brand, um, and just reinvesting into videos and like, you know, and, and, and like, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a commitment like any, like any startup, any business, you're feeding the business before you're feeding yourself. You know what I'm saying? Feeding the business first. And I did that for, like five years before I really started to like, you know, feel, feel good. You know what I mean? Now, did you build out a team at the label as well? Like did we, this goes back to the team lesson you learned at Atlantic a little bit, right? Like, you know, making sure you had the right, right. people doing the right things. Yeah. And so then, you know, when I, when I left that situation, I started to kind of figure out like, who are my, my guys that like, you know, I can really count on to be like working with me. And I, you know, kind of built a core group of people around me. Um, and some people I'd been working with from the beginning, like Maddie, um, and others, you know, I kind of met along the way and just kind of formed this, this group of people around me that supported my business that, you know, and, and, and I think it's important when you, when you go into business with people, you know, you give people skin in the game, like you, you know, you, uh, you allow everyone to take a part of, you know, the back end because then that, uh, creates, you know, a mutual, um, interest to succeed. Uh, and so, you know, I think you gotta, you always got to think about, you know, compensating people the right way, um, to, you know, to create an environment where everyone wants to hustle because the more we, we all collectively hustle, the more we all collectively see the, the benefits. Do you want to take a minute to talk um, about who that team is? No, give them a little, give them a little props. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, my guy, Tim, who I've worked with for years, you know, he's, he's been on the management side from the jump, essentially, you know, I met him right when I started to do the Atlantic deal and we started to work together, you know, since 2013, Maddie, you know, has mixed and mastered and engineered every single song I've put out since I was 16 years old and still does today. And the album I'm working on right now, I'm going to his studio tomorrow to start working on. And so those two guys and my homie Saeed and, you know, um, my buddy Multiple Pete's who uh, is a producer and, and my best friend from growing up, like, you know, that, that group of people um, and, and other people around me, my friend Blaine, who's another artist who's like 
also just like my my guy on the road DJing, you know, uh, just doing everything basically, um, you know, and 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 a lot more people too. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a lot. Um, it takes a village, sure. I think. And do you have any? Uh, does the label? I'm not. I'm not sure about the roster of the label and where that stands. Is it like a artist in particular that you've got signed right now, or are you still in development? Yeah, I mean, I'm. You know, most of of my company right now is. You know, I look at it in phases. Like, I, I the first phase was like, you know, supporting what I'm doing, my music, and I'm still deeply a part of like being an artist first and using my label to support my music but i've also been doing other projects with other artists and you know i've had some some projects come out uh i had an artist um buckets who, who did a project and you know and and blaine is is like i said he's an artist too and you know we've been working on his project for a while too um and you know a couple other things that aren't necessarily formalized sure. but you know that's i look at it in phases like phase one pushing my stuff phase two more you know more artists okay, on the repertoire right. and talk a little bit about just the state uh how you look at the music business today we, we talked a lot about you know how you came up and, and the different components that you utilize to kind of get your start as we both know it's a much different different industry today right uh, the dust has settled to a certain extent you know you've got these streaming platforms that are pretty much the the norm now um you know how, how do you look at, at today's landscape and if you were starting out today you know would, would there be things that you would do differently or or are there particular uh, avenues that you're that you're particularly excited about uh, that you'd like to, that you're looking forward to testing. Well, I think that overall, life in general is just in a really cool spot now because, um, I mean, you know, as you guys know, you can pretty much produce your own content from you know from anywhere in the world now and create your own brand. And you know, we as a society are consuming media and music in a way that's completely different than it ever was. And it's democratized uh, media consumption in such a way that is like so empowering to the artists and not just in music, in, in all art forms. Uh, because I think with more choice and more accessibility and more uh, ease of production, it, it just naturally democratizes the market. So people can be who they want to be and create the art that they want to create as opposed to a system and a market that's controlled by bigger companies choosing what's going to be successful and choosing what to push and what to put money behind. So I just think that, you know, overall in music, in, in media in general, this is just such an incredible, um, time that will probably go down as like one of the most important shifts culturally in media um because it's just you know it, the 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 barriers to entry are completely the, the gatekeepers now. are basically um, been completely disaggregated from all the things that they've they controlled in the past and the, not the, not to i'm not here to knock right. the, the i mean record labels have a play you know no, i'm neither. just saying that what, that what you used to go to one place for to get everything, like you used to go to a label and they did the, they had the studios, right? They had the distribution, they had the marketing, they had the funding. You could do all those things yourself in different ways now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, like we'd be a fool to say that like, it's just going to stay like that. And like, you know, 
big corporations are not going to come from this, but it's just changing. You know what I'm saying? And like, like, for example, like, you know, you know, companies that used to be the big movie studios are now not as relevant as Netflix, but like Netflix is a younger, more progressive, you know, company. And like, I think that it's good for film and TV that like Netflix is now like the major parent company of like that industry you know, it's, it's good to have a shakeup. And so we're going to see, and we're already seeing in the music industry, Spotify and companies like that becoming the new quote unquote major labels or major players in this game. Uh, and they are the gatekeepers now in a lot of ways. Um, and they know that, you know what I'm saying? But it's just, I, I think it's still, it's, it's good because it's a shakeup and like, you know, but I'm, you know, my point is, is like, you know, it's, I think it's naive to say that like, you know, major business is not in control or whatever like that. It's all that, that's always going to be a thing. Uh, and you know, I don't think that there's that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think that like the the companies are changing. Yeah. You know, is there anyone that you look to as uh, an inspiration or as an example for uh, for what it is that you're trying to achieve? Yeah, I mean, I I uh, I look to some of my peers who are, who are doing a great job of like, you know, just running their own business and like really, um, marketing their music and their brand in a way that's like really effective. And like, you know, they're just having fun with it. Like my homie young gravy is a great artist. And like, you know, he has such a particular lane that he's gone down and it's so successful for him. Other than that, I look at every, every entrepreneurial artist inspires me. You know what I'm saying? From, you know, Kanye to, Nipsey Hussle, you know, people like that, um, who created their own businesses. You've mentioned in the past, uh, atmosphere as an influence as well. Yeah. Atmosphere is another, I think it's just, you know, having that belief in yourself and like when, you know, other people aren't going to support what you're trying to do, making your own company to support what you're trying to do. You know what I'm saying? And like, I think that atmosphere and rhyme sayers as a company, is just like the coolest example of like, we don't need to be Hollywood. We don't need to be like New York, like whatever, like, like we're Minnesota, like we're our own thing. Let's create our own scene. Let's create our own company to support the art and the the culture of like this area. And, you know, and, and not care about, you know, not be attached to the results right away and just, just do it and like believe in it. And then, Playing, just playing your works, game, not playing you know their game. Yeah, exactly. And like I always say, like I'm, you know, I'm not in the music business. I'm in the Cam Meekins business. You know what I mean? And like, like, like I don't like, you know, the what, what does the music industry have to do with what I'm doing? I'm worried about selling T-shirts and 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 That's making great. music. You know what I mean? Well, I think, you know, there's, I could, I could go on and on asking you other questions, but I, I think I, that's a, that's a wonderful place to, to basically uh, end in terms of my, my interrogation here. Is there anything you wanted to, um, I don't know, bring up, point out, endorse, uh, promote, discuss before we, before we end today? Well, I just want to shout out you guys, man. I think that, uh, you know, everything that you guys are doing is really cool. I love this podcast. You know, I love the fact that you're bringing artists on to kind of talk the business side and the creative side because I think that, you know, that's what people want to hear. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that have this entrepreneurial drive inside them. And I just want to say to anybody listening, you know, like we were talking about, I think a big theme of, of a lot of this is like that, you know, believing in yourself to the point that it's almost a delusion. Like just, you know, don't listen to the noise. Like, you know, 
anybody can tell you how to do it. They never did it. Just, you know, trust that gut instinct that you have and just go and execute and, you know, don't be attached to the results because, you know, there's not enough, you know, that's not enough of a uh, sample size to, to really like, you know, know anything yet. Just keep going and going and going. Um, and uh, yeah, other than that, man, for me, I got an album on the way coming a little bit later this year. Does it have a name yet? I hope people check that out. It does have a name, but I haven't announced it yet. I don't want to break embargo here. I'll let you go. (laughs) That's cool. Well, listen, I want to say that also from our end, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you over the years. Um, I hope to do so. Yeah, obviously again soon. And, uh, you know, that definitely, you know, keep in touch. Thanks. Thanks for everything. Thanks for taking the time today. You already know. Thank you, man. Thanks for joining us. To keep up with Cam's new releases, check out his social media profiles linked in the show notes. We'll be back every other week with a brand new episode. Until then, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.